Good morning. We're going to continue um, our study in the book of Philippians. We started last week, so if you're here today visiting with us, um, you're actually, you came at a great week because we didn't get too far last week um, in the book of Philippians, got through a few verses and you can uh, go on YouTube and, and, and watch that um, if you'd like uh, to get uh, caught up even more. But we started a new book of the Bible, uh, the book of Philippians. And this whole theme of this book is, is joy. And yet uh, the, circum, the outward circumstances of, of how this church even got started, of where Paul is now when he's writing it, uh, 15 years after him starting it. It, it would look to be like anything but joy because the circumstances were not ideal. Paul starts this church and, and people are coming to Christ and it causes a ruckus. Paul gets beat up. He gets thrown in prison and yet he rejoices. He's singing praises and he and his partner in ministry, uh, Silas, and they're praising God. They're probably preaching the gospel because this, this jailer who thinks he lost the prisoner is about ready to kill himself. He doesn't want to be accountable to his superiors for letting prisoners escape. Paul stops him, says, we're here, don't harm yourself. He comes to Christ and he, he, he says, what must I do to be saved? So no doubt he had been hearing Paul and Silas through their songs, through their preaching all night long, just proclaiming the gospel. And so this church uh, was, was founded in Philippi, and Paul now, fast forward years later, he's not in Philippi, he's in Rome, but he's writing to this church. And his love for this church, his affection for these people is so strong. And now, keep in mind, like, Paul is, Paul is just, he's committed, right? He's endured so much at this point for the cause of Christ. He's been in different jails. He's been beaten multiple times. He's been through some pretty rough circumstances. So Paul is, Paul has endured a lot. Paul has gone through it. But yet you see that those things, though may it hardened him in the sense of just his resolve for God, he still has a tender, compassionate heart. And you just see that in his writing. He's letting this church know. He's like, I love this church. I, whenever I think about you, God fills my heart with joy. And, and his desire for this church is that they would grow, that they would continue uh, to just flourish and abound. And so we ended last week with verse 6. He's talking to them about how he thanks God for them. He's talking to them about their, their partnership in ministry. And then he says he's confident of this very thing. He which hath begun the good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say, look, don't be discouraged no matter where you're at. God is not done with you. God's work is not done. It is ongoing. And God who began that good work in you when he saved you, he will be faithful to complete that work. He is going to accomplish, he'll perform it, he'll accomplish that work in you. What an encouragement that must have been to this church. What an encouragement that is to us. That God started a work when he saved us. And God will complete that work. 
God will perform that work. God will accomplish that work. So now verse 7, he says, it is me or it is correct. It's right for me to think this of you all. He says, I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. So once again, he's just solidifying, you guys are my partners in ministry. Now, we don't know any of these names of any of these believers. Maybe Lydia's still around. Lydia's mentioned in Acts uh, chapter 16. Perhaps she's still around, but we don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. But what Paul is saying is this, you're, you're partners in ministry with me. That same grace that God's given me to endure the imprisonments and endure the beatings and endure all that, you have that same grace. God's grace is just as much evident in your life. He says, God, verse 8, God is my record. In other words, God is my witness. Pay attention. God is my witness. I am speaking with sincerity and all honesty that God is my, rec my witness or my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Kind of a, not really a connotation that we would, would put here with, with this word. But basically what he's saying is like I just have this deep love and affection for you. And I, I just, I, 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 I long to be with you. I love you, church, from every fiber of my being. I love this church. And now he's going to tell them his prayer for them. And this isn't uncommon with Paul's writings. Paul, many times when he'd write churches, he not only lets them know he's praying for them, but then he tells them the prayer he's praying for them. I think about Ephesians 1. Where Paul lists to the Ephesian church or the church of Ephesus, he lists all of these blessings they have in Christ. If you're ever going through a tough time, you're ever having a discouraging day, you're ever going through some depression, read Ephesians 1. It's so uplifting because it talks about all these blessings that we as believers have. Paul just lists all of them. That you're blessed by the Father, you're blessed by the Son, you're blessed by the Spirit. All of these things you have in Christ right now, all of these things that are yet to come, the, the, the best is yet to come, the future that you have is coming that's glorious and wonderful. All of these things in Ephesians 1. And then you know what he concludes the chapter with? A prayer for them. He says, my, my prayer is that your eyes would be opened, that your heart would be enlightened to know all of these things. It, and this is one example of many more I could give about Paul praying for these fellow believers, praying for these churches. So Paul now is going to tell this church, not only I'm praying for you, whenever I think about you, I, I make requests before God to you. I have joy in my heart towards you. Now he's going to tell them what his prayer is. And this prayer that he's going to pray for them is a prayer we should pray for ourselves, that we should pray for one another. And what we're going to find is this. Paul's prayer is about the growth and flourishing of these fellow believers. In fact, all of his prayers that are recorded, they're about the growth and flourishing of fellow believers. Now, we pray for one another. Many times our prayers are for physical needs of one another. 
Now that's biblical, right? Like James talks about those that are sick, pray. Bring those requests to God. Absolutely appropriate. Let's pray for one another when we know of physical needs. We pray for one another when we know someone's going through a difficult time. As we should, amen? That's biblical. That's how we can bear one another's burdens. When you're going through difficulties, you're going through trials, you're going through hard times, to, to be able to have fellow believers praying over you and praying with you is moving. It's powerful. And we need that. You know, I think about just the many, many um, trials that our church is going through and people in our church and the comfort to pray for one another. Millie and Megan, I, our, our hearts break for you guys. I know your family is here and, and our hearts are broken that Millie, that your mom went home to be with the Lord. And, and, and we have been lifting you guys up in prayer because that's how we help bear one another's burdens. By being there for one another. By praying for one another. Absolutely necessary. Absolutely important that we lift one another up in prayer for physical needs. When, when, when we have emotional needs or going through difficult times. But let's not forget the importance of praying for one another in our spiritual growth. This is what Paul's prayer is. He says in this, I pray, here's the prayer, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. His prayer for this church is that their love, love for God, their love for one another would flourish, that it would grow, that it would abound. This should be our prayer for ourselves and for one another. That our love for God, our love for one another as fellow believers would abound. It would flourish. It would grow more and more. And I ask us this. It's kind of convicting. But do we really pray for our fellow believers? That, that one, that, do we pray for one another that we would see that growth take place in our lives? See, the growth that Paul knew was taking place in the Philippian church encouraged him. And he was confident of it. That's what he said. I'm confident that God who began the good work, he's going to complete his work. That brought joy to him. That brought comfort to him, even though he wasn't physically there. And that should encourage us and bring joy to us. That should cause us to want to pray for one another more. That we would grow. That we would see that spiritual growth and fruit. He says, I pray that your love, this word love, the Greek word is agape love. You may be familiar with that phrase, that term, that kind of love. It's a specific term talks about God's love for us. It's a, it, it has everything to do with a sacrificial love, right? So we're not talking about feelings of love, though Paul had feelings for this church. No question about it. Love is absolutely a feeling, but love is more than a feeling. Remember Paul's words to a different church, the church at Corinth, we studied the whole book of, of both 1st and 2nd Corinthians. This church was messed up. Like we look around and we think the church today in, in the United States has problems. And we do. I mean, this church at Corinth, these guys, these guys were crazy. Like these guys had some issues. In 1st Corinthians 13, Paul's talking about, man, you guys are so gifted. You guys have all of these spiritual gifts and all this ability, all this talent. But you know what? It doesn't mean anything if you don't love one another. And then he goes on to explain what that love is. 
And everything he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 are actions. If you love someone, love does this, or love doesn't do this. And it's all about sacrifice. It's all about honoring and preferring others. It's all about choices and actions, not just a feeling. So when we're talking about love, it's important that we understand that. Paul wants their love for God, their love for one another to abound. He wants it to flourish. He wants it to grow more and more. More and more in what? In knowledge and in judgment, discernment. So this love, it's not just a feeling. This love is actually the foundation of it is knowledge and truth. This is discernment. And that's important that we understand that today. That sometimes loving and expressing and showing that love for someone isn't always what we think. Because there's this, unfortunately, this connotation with love that love is just basically giving somebody a pep talk. It's just patting them on the back and affirming every choice they make. But what I'm proposing is that's not love. Sometimes love, and you guys have experienced this if you have children... Sometimes that love is having the hard conversations with them. Sometimes that love is, no, as a parent, we love you. We're not going to let you go down this path that you're going down. And you know what? As adults, it's the same thing. If we truly love one another as fellow believers in Christ, sometimes that love is going to mean we have hard conversations with people. Not in a judgy way, but in an accountability way. Where you see someone going down a path of destruction. You see someone, someone going down a path that God says is harmful, that God's word says this is not what God has for us as humans. Love is sometimes speaking out and speaking truth, not affirming and coddling and condoning things that are sinful and things that are destructive. And that is important we understand that. This is what Paul's saying. I want your love to grow and abound and flourish for one another, but it's got to be based in knowledge and judgment. In other words, in the truth of God's word, because it might seem loving to affirm things that are sinful, to affirm things that go against how God created us, affirm things that go against what is truth. But in the end, I would propose that's the opposite of love. That's the opposite of love. No, love sometimes has to warn people about danger. Love is, is based in knowledge and judgment. And he says this, when that love abounds more and more in wisdom and discernment and knowledge, then what happens? He says that, or in order that you may approve things that are excellent. His prayer for this church is that they would approve things that are excellent. What we see here is just even an order of priority. Like you need love, you need discernment, because what that's going to cause you to do is you're going to approve. That word approve, it gives the indication of like a testing, how they would test different metals. They would, they would, they, they would refine different metals and go through a testing phase. And Paul's saying, listen, listen, my prayer for you is that you would approve things that are excellent. You would put priority to things that are excellent. And sometimes, you know what I find that, that our, we need wisdom and knowledge and discernment because sometimes 
It's not bad and evil things that are the enemy of excellent things. It can be other good things. How many of you, you're like me, you have a hard time saying no to the things and opportunities because we don't want to miss out, right? Life is short. Life is short. And if there's an opportunity to do something, it's like, yes, I want to do it. And sometimes, sometimes we cannot be wise in our priorities. Sometimes what we're called to do can be hindered and can be affected because we say no to just, or we say yes to too many things. Paul's saying, look, love for God, love for others, it's, there's discernment with it. It's based in knowledge. It's based in, it's, it's based in judgment or discerning. He says, and when you have this love, when this love is abounding more and more in knowledge and in judgment, you're going to approve things that are excellent. And he said, and you're going to be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That word sincere, it's actually in the English, the word sincere, like we know what that means, right? I mean, genuine. So that comes from two Latin words, sin, without, Sarah is wax, without wax. So what does that, what does that mean, without wax? Well, in different, um, different like pottery or different things that people would make at that time, sometimes what would happen is when they were forming it and making it, there would, uh, there, there would, uh, uh, it would crack. It would start to break. And so what they would do, they didn't want to waste it and throw it out. Like, right, these resources are very, very precious and valuable. They lose money when they have to throw it out and start over. So what they would do is they would cover up that, they would seal that with wax and then cover it up. And people wouldn't know just by first glance at it. And so what would happen, people started discovering this because then they would get some kind of, some kind of, of, of pottery. They'd put something hot in it and, and then it would break and crumble, right? Because that wax would, would melt with that heat. And so what people started doing when they would go and they would, they would barter with the merchants or they would, they would go, to, uh, go to their place of trade, um, it, they would hold up the pottery like a plate or a pot, something of that nature, they would hold it up to the sunlight, and in that sunlight, they could see if that pottery was filled with wax, if there was some kind of crack in it. And Paul's saying, look, my prayer for you, church, that your love would grow more and more in wisdom and knowledge and discernment so you can approve things that are excellent. He said, so you can be genuine, sincere, and without offense. That means blameless, not, not causing other people to stumble, not being a stumbling block to someone else. Man, may this be our desire. Amen. May this be our prayer as a church for ourselves. May this be a prayer that we would have for one another, that we would be genuine. Now, none of us are going to be perfect. Like the more in, in the fellowship of, 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 a ch of the church, the more you get to know one another, I know the more that, that you and I get to know each other, you know, the more you're going to see the, the flaws, the more that you're going to see the imperfections in my life. The more you get to know me, hopefully the better friends we become, but you're probably going to realize, yeah, nothing real special about him, right? He's okay. Why? Because you're going to see that you're going to see that, that I'm a sinner being sanctified. I'm a sinner saved by grace being sanctified by the grace of God. There's a lot of things in my life that God is working out in, in you as well. 
But may our desire, though, be that we would be sincere, without hypocrisy. May, may our desire be that we would be genuine, blameless, not be a stumbling block to others. Man, that's my desire. Because we've all been shocked and hurt. And, and sometimes our faith has been shaken when people that we thought were such genuine believers. And again, I'm not talking about people we see that they have sin and imperfection. That's all of us. But someone that completely was living a life that we had no clue about. And man, that hurts. That can be an offense, a stumbling block. God, give us that sincerity. God, give us as a church that genuine flourishing love that causes us to approve things that are excellent so that we, as a church, can be sincere, that we can be genuine so that we're not a stumbling block. He goes on to say this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Lastly, he says to this church, his prayer for them is that they would be fruitful. His prayer for them is that they would flourish and grow. His prayer for them is exactly what he said his confidence in them was that God was going to continue his work in them. He said, why? So that you will be filled with fruits of righteousness, which by the way, he says they're by Jesus Christ. Any good in us, any good things about us, it's not because of us. It's what Christ has done and is doing in us. No reason for us to boast. No reason for us to brag. No reason for us to pat ourselves on the back, right? It's all about him. Why? It's for the glory and praise of God. Man, these are Jesus' words about letting our light shine before men, that they can see your good works. Why? To glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's the point of this fruit. That's the point of these good works. And Paul's quickly pointing out to them, look, God's work in you is not done. Look, I'm praying that you would grow. I'm praying your love would flourish. I'm praying that your life would be genuine. It would be without offense. You wouldn't be a stumbling block. I want you to approve things that are excellent. I want your life to be fruitful. Why? For the praise and glory of God. Because he alone is worthy of that. May this be our prayer today. May this be our prayer for one another. You know, this is convicting. How often, how often do we pray these things for one another? Again, let's not stop praying for health needs. Let's not stop praying for, for those, our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through trials, right? That's how we can bear that burden with one another. We can, we can just walk with people and, 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 and just embrace some of that pain they're walking through by praying for them, by being there for them. Let's not stop doing that. But may our prayers be filled with the desire that we, that one another, that we would grow, that our love would abound, our love would flourish, that we would be sincere, that we would be genuine, that we would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. Let's pray.